Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored by David Slager in honor of the Kahal, wishing the entire Kahal Atzlacha, and in honor of the Rabbanim. Uh, dedicate, uh, dedicated in loving memory of David Bar Mocha, Lilunishmat David Ben Saada, from his wife Sylvia, children Yigal, Asher, Roni, Yossi, Nir, and Shiran, and family. And finally, uh, the week of Kobu, sponsored by David E. Ash, in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. <coughs> My friends, it's an interesting thing to notice. The Gemara says, why were our fathers, our forefathers, and our foremothers, I don't know what the correct term is, right? Maybe it's, uh, if it's forefathers, maybe it's five mothers, but either way. Our forefathers and, and uh, mothers, uh, are, why were they all akarot? How come they couldn't have children? Abraham could not have children. Yitzhak didn't have children easily. Yaakov, same thing. All of them, they all had issues with having kids. Sarah Imenu, till a very old age. Rivka, Rachel, problem. Issues. Everybody's got issues. Only one of the Imahot has it easy. Who? Leah. So when the Gemara says, how come they were all Akarot? What do you mean the akara? It's not the akara. She, they, she was, what's it called? She, she had it fine, no problem, easy. So why does the Gemara say that they were all, they all had this issue if actually not all of them had it? The Gemara answers what the Gemara answers. God desires the tefillot of the righteous. He offers them opportunities to be able to come close to Him with a full heart. So he sends them these challenges as a way of drawing close to him through their prayers. But be that as it may, and whatever that means, and we've discussed that before, I want to focus on the outlier here. Rivka, sorry, Leah. What's going on with Leah? How could the Gemara say, they're all Akara, Leah has children right away? And the answer is, the Pasuk proves that Leah was also an Akara. Vayar Adonai ki And God saw that Le'ah was hated. It doesn't mean that he was hated. It means that um, she was the one that was less beloved. Uh, out of Rachel and Le'ah, who did he love more? He loved Rachel. So why does it say that she was hated if she wasn't hated? And how do I know, by the way? How do I know that Le'ah wasn't hated by Yaakov? Maybe Yaakov hated her because she took part in this ruse to trick him. No. Because the Pasuk says, et Rachel gam He loved Rachel more than Leah. What does that tell you? That he loved Leah as well. So we know that Leah was loved. Why does it say, Vayar if she wasn't hated? If she was just loved less? And the answer is, you could be loved less as a friend. You could be loved less as a, as a child. You could be loved less as a parent. But if you're loved less in a marriage, it doesn't feel like you're loved less. It feels like you're not loved at all. Because in the relationship of marriage, which is supposed to be primary, which is supposed to be supreme, 
If there's something else that you love more than me, then that thing seems not just to edge me out, but it makes me question the very love, the very foundation of marriage, which is supposed to be two souls coming together as one. So the fact that Leah was loved less than Rachel was enough to make Leah feel that she was hated. God saw this predicament that Leah was so upset. And God opened her womb, illustrating that what? Her, her womb, hereunto for, had been closed. Illustrating that Leah was also Akara. She also was someone that could not have children. So she has the strangest kind of Akara. You know what Leah's Akara reminds me of? It's like when I say I'm on a diet. I don't eat food between breakfast and lunch. And then I don't eat food again between lunch and dinner. Also, sometimes I don't eat food between snacks. <laughs> She was an akara until she had children immediately. What does that mean? My friends, there's a myth going around the Syrian community. And the myth is that the name Leah for a girl is not a good name. I can't tell you how many times I've been approached by women in the community, girls asking me, Rabbi, should I change my name? My name is Leah. Make sure you forward this to anyone named Leah. <laughs> Especially someone named Leah with this complex. The name Leah is not a good name. Why? Leah is a terrible life. And the eyes of Leah, they were soft. Why were they soft? They were soft from crying. So much so, say Chazal, that some of her eyelashes fell out. That's how much she cried. I don't, I've never cried that much. Baruch Hashem. But she cried so much, her eyelashes fell out. She thought her whole life, everyone said, the older one's going to go to the older one, Ya'ani Leah's going to go to Esav, and the young one's going to go to the young one, the young one, who's the younger one? Yaakov. And therefore, I always thought how ironic it is. Whoever it was that said this wasn't wrong. Yaakov was both the younger, and through virtue of his purchasing the Bechorah, he was the younger and the older. It reminds me of the words of Boaz, that Boaz says, when I, when I buy this field from you, I also have bought the zechut of marrying, you know? So he got both of them. So in the beginning, she's crying, 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 she's going to wind up with Esav. Who does she wind up with? Yaakov. So everyone says, wow, look how troubled Leah's life is. She's all the time crying. Not only that, she thinks she's going to get married to Esav. Not only that, you know, she's not as loved from her husband, as much as the other wife, Khalas, what do I want to call my daughter Leah for? Not only that, by the way, if I have Leah, I probably should change my name or add a name. Or, this is what I hear from people all the time. And I say to them, you should be so lucky. You should be so lucky to wear the name Leah. Leah is one of the imahot. <laughs> I want to give you a long list of names that Leah is better than, but then I know that the people who have those names will hear this, and then I'm going to get hate mail. I just don't have the time to deal. <laughs> Leah's an amazing name. But I want to add to that. They're so worried that Leah had to cry. You know what I say? Everybody cries. 
The only question is whether you cry now or you cry later. Leah cries in the beginning. And then what happens? She gets Yaakov Avinu. Talk about that in the Shadchan market, right? The Shidduch crisis. <laughs> she gets Yaakov Avinu. And then what happens? Then she has the majority of the Shabbatim. And then what happens? And then she outlives her younger sister. Leah is doing pretty well for herself. Thank you very much. Rachel, da, 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 da. she goes to the well and people fall in love with her. Everything's wonderful. She's very beloved and she can't have kids. And how does the lucky person feel who didn't cry? Give me children. I'm going to die. Everybody cries. You cry now or you cry later. It is a myth that this life was designed to be easy. And I keep saying this to people. If you're living an easy life, you're not living your best life. It means you're copping out. It means you're taking the path of least resistance. Crying's a good thing. Ha- having set your sights high enough is a good thing. Setting your sights high in every area of your life, for your marriage, for your relationships, for your business, for your spirituality, for your friendships, setting your sights high results in sometimes your dreams crashing to the ground and sometimes your expectations are shattered by reality. Hazaku Baruch. But so much better to aim, uh, to aim for the, you know, the moon and the stars. And if you fail, so you end up somewhere in the sky. If your dreams are in the dirt, and you know what? You manage your expectations. And you never aimed high for anything. And you always got what you thought you were going to get. You have a pain-free, crying-free life. You're still in the mud. What did you get? You got nothing. I think one of the lessons from Le'ah is this concept. Hazor'im bidim'ah if you plant with tears, then you reap with joy. You know, they used to say that a Jewish tehillim, right, is a tehillim that is stained with the tears of the mother, who cries and cries and cries for her children. Now, for some people, that sounds like a life, a life of misery. But that's, that's the most beautiful thing in the world that you're crying to Hashem, that your children should do well in school, that your children should have good friends, that your children shouldn't fall into the wrong crowd, and your children should have good role models in school, your children should get that good teacher that encourages them, you're crying that your children should get into the right school, that your, cho- that your children should find the right shiduchim, that they should get the best jobs, all these things. What a wonderful thing it is to have a relationship with Borei Olam, to feel that in this uh, you know, if you're a parent, you know, especially if you have teenagers. I love these parents who are like, <laughs> raising kids is easy. Oh, how old are your kids? <laughs> oh, they're five minutes old. Okay, Hazaku Baruch. Come back to me later, I'll write you a prescription. Yeah, raising kids is not supposed to be easy. And if it's easy, you're doing it wrong. Like everything else in life. You cry now or you cry later. So Le'a was an akara. But look at what her tears did. 
Her tears had the power to open up her womb. And by the way, to open up her womb in a way where all the other imahot, I mean, I just think about this for one second. Can we just like revisit this point? Sarah imenu. How many prayers do you think Sarah and Abraham Avinu did? How many zikhuyot did they have? And how long does it take her to finally have a baby? Rivka and Yitzhak, they're praying. How many zikhuyot, how many merits? Rivka ba'alat teshuvah from the house of Lavan. Amazing. She had, the, she had the best merits in the world. She was triple A rated in zikhut. Right? She had everything going for her. And it took a very long time. There's nothing like tears to Hashem. Nothing like tears. Nothing like crying over a tefillah, over a prayer. You know, the Chamim tell us that crying, I remember reading this, it was unbelievable. Uh, I, I can't remember who wrote it, but they said that when a person cries in tefillah, you know what it's like? When your body is sweating, so you, yeah, you know, you're, you're working really hard, what happens? The body gets covered in sweat. When the nishama is sweating, the sweat of the nishama is the tears that come from a person's eyes. When a person's working on the avodah, when they're praying to Hashem, when they're saying to God their true innermost feelings, not saying words, they're literally crying out like a son reaching out to their father from the bottom of a pit, save me, help me, I can't do it by myself, I need you in my life. Those words, those emotions, there's nothing like it. The Pasuk says, Lev nishbar v'nidkeh, a heart which is broken v'nidkeh and depressed. It doesn't mean that he's depressed, yani that he's uh, clinically depressed. It means when the heart feels, it can touch that sadness, it can be honest and open with how it's feeling. Lev nishbar v'nidkeh, Elohim lo tibzeh. God does not turn away. I need you to understand that, what that means, what the power of those kinds of tefillot are. Sarai menu, big tzadeket. Avraham Avinu, rock star. They still had to wait. Yitzhak, Rivka, amazing. Still had to wait. Leah, she's cried enough. The Pasuk tells us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes the tears of Am Yisrael, the tears that we shed when we cry over our needs, over someone that's sick, over a difficult situation. That God gathers every single tear that runs down the face of a Jewish person and He stores it in one of the vessels in heaven next to His throne in Shamayim. That is the power of a tefillah said with, uh, uh, with tears running down a face. Le'ah, in the end, is very lucky. You know? She's very lucky. She gets all the tears out before game time. You know, if you ever go to the gym and you're already shooting around before ball, you shoot a couple air balls, what do they tell you? Get him out before the game. Get him out before the game. You start hitting, what do they tell you? Save it for the game. <laughs> I mean, that's what they tell me. I never hit, so I'm really sure. 
what they would say in that scenario. <laughs> Get it out before the game. You know, Chazal tell us, Chazal tell us that, um, wow, that Al Naharot Bavel, Sham Yashavnu, Gam Bachinu. On the rivers of Babylon, there we sat, Gam Bachinu, and we cried. And the Navi says to Am Yisrael, you're crying now? If you had cried once before, then maybe the Khurban would not have happened. And I always think to myself about the tragedy of late tears. Parents that come to you after the relationship with their child is already ruined. And now they're crying. And I was just thinking, wow, if only, if only you had the zechut to be like Leah and cry when things weren't yet bad, before you even got married, when you were a single girl, before things happened, you'd be crying in the time when it didn't matter, and then when everything came to the game, you game time, you're hitting threes. Sham yashavnu gambachinu. What would have happened if we'd cried early, wouldn't have had to cry later. I noticed this also, by the way, this phenomenon by shiva houses. A lot of times, people sitting shiva that are, seem unaffected during the shiva, the week of shiva, they're not crying at all. Those are the people that have a very rough time throughout the year. And the people who cry their eyes out for seven days straight, and you can't talk to them, and everyone's like, wow, they're broken. I'm always thinking to myself, no one really knows, you guys don't understand. This is like the healthiest thing ever. This is what Chazal intended. They intended, in fact, the Gemara says, the first three days of Avelut are for extreme crying and mourning. And then after that, after those three days have passed, then it gets smaller, mitigated, 30 days smaller, 12 months, 11 months, the Kaddish, right? Smaller, and eventually a person becomes whole again. But if they hold it in, those tears have to come out. The question is, do they come out all at once during the shiva in that appropriate time, or do they come out randomly in the middle of the work day? Do they come out randomly at all different times, occasions that could be happy occasions? Because they walked around with that. My friends, human beings were not created to relax. We were not created for easy street. We were created for hard work. Hard work that pays incredible dividends. So don't shy away from the hard work. I remember uh, I took a group to Poland once and I was sharing something, very passionate, very powerful story, heartbreaking. And as I'm sharing the story, I was crying. I was literally broken down in tears. And someone came up to me afterwards and they said, Rabbi, you know, I'm so, I was so moved by what you said. I said, really? Oh, thank you. You know, really, you know, from the heart. I said, which part? because it was a speech. Like I said, which part really uh, impacted you? You know what this person said? He said, I don't really, I wasn't paying so much attention to what you said, but I've never seen my father cry. In fact, I don't even think I've seen my grandfather cry. This shying away from emotion, 
you know, <laughs> what are you doing? You're putting the tears away and then they're going to come out later. The fact that you couldn't show that emotion, that vulnerability to your kids, to your wife now, I promise you, it will come out later. You will have created a flaw in the relationship, which later on in the relationship will break your heart and then you'll have to cry. But you could have cried when it was nothing. Le'ah is the embodiment of not shamya shavnu gambachinu on the rivers of Babylon if the destruction visits. It's someone who precedes that. Vayar Adonai kisinu'ah le'ah vayiftach Hashem et rachmah. We want the opening to all these things. The secret to opening gates in Shamaim is coming to Borei Olam with tears. I want to finish this one point and with a story that I've shared before, but it, to no end, I just it blows me away. There's a rabbi, a rabbi who comes on a, a program. He's not living at, uh, he's not at home. He's not in his own home city. He goes to this uh, this far off city in Israel to be able to give a program to be mekarev to uh, excite to reach out to the nishamot that maybe aren't so close to Judaism. He goes and gives the seminar and he's now trying to find his way home to his host, but he can't remember where the host lives. So he's wandering the streets of a foreign city and he doesn't know where to go. No one's up. The guy thinks to himself, I'm exhausted. I need to be on tomorrow. Do you know what? Why don't I just go to a synagogue? I'll find the synagogue. I'll go to sleep in the synagogue. <laughs> Right? That's it. Right? What do you do? I'm going to go find the shul. I'll lie down on the bench. At least I'll have somewhere to sleep. It'll be dry. It'll be, it'll be warm. He makes his way to a synagogue. He goes in the synagogue. As he walks in the synagogue, he sees that there's someone in the synagogue. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. He walks up to this guy. Who is it? It's a young guy sitting there at the, at the table. And he's learning. And he says, what are you doing? He says, you know, Rabbi... Uh, a long time ago, actually, you inspired, what's it called? You inspired a bunch of people you taught us about in one of these classes, in one of these seminars, you taught us how important it is to study, how important it is to learn. So I'm sitting here and I'm studying and you know what? Uh, I was so inspired by the time you told us how we have to study, how much we have to learn, how important it is not to just listen to classes, but to study Torah. I'm very proud. We have a group of guys now. We started Masichet Ta'anit. We are on already Davdalid. Anyone wants to join, Fadal. We're going to finish the whole Masechet, Bezrat Hashem. Even if I have to finish alone. <laughs> okay? So the guy decides, Chalas, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. He goes, Rabbi, that speech you gave was a few years ago. And here I am. He says, I'm almost finished the whole of Shas. And he says, and I just thought I would stay up tonight and finish off the last pages so I could make a siyum in the morning. Shabbat morning. Wow. I can't believe this is amazing. Anyway, the guy's sitting there learning. The rabbi's feeling, you know what? He's learning out loud in order to stay up. I'm not going to be able to sleep here. I'll go find another shul. How <laughs> that goes. He walks down the block. He tries to find. He goes to another shul. As he goes to another shul, he walks in the shul. Oh, Baruch Hashem. Nobody learning here. <laughs> but he starts hearing crying. She might try he hears crying. What's the matter? Everyone okay? Everyone okay? He goes, he sees there's a woman in the ladies' section. The woman sees him. She says, you! It's your fault! 
He says, what do you mean? She said, you, you ruined my life. Rabbi is, is uh, <laughs> he says, I ruined your life? What do you mean I ruined your life? She says, you came and you talked to us. We were Ba'ale Teshuvah, all of us girls. Every one of us, we become religious. You know, we uh, started doing everything right. We're doing Siniyut, we're doing Mitzvot, praying every day, giving Siddhaqah. We did everything. And you told us that we shouldn't settle for anything but the best. And you told us that there's no reason why we couldn't have a husband who finished Shash. You know how hard it is to find a husband who finished all the Gemaraz? I'm sitting here, I can't find a single date. And the rabbi starts laughing. She's laughing at me? He says, no, I'm not laughing. He says, have I got the shidduch for you? <laughs> but you might need to wait till the morning. <laughs> He's not finished yet. <laughs> rabbi makes the shidduch. And to me, what is so special about the story is not that the boy was inspired to learn the whole night. It was that this girl's tears crying from the balcony, the Ezat Nashim, took the rabbi, reached in his brain, deleted that home address, made the guy have an idea that he's going to go to a shul, finally find which shul, the shul that the guy's studying in, decide he can't go to sleep there, decide to go to another shul. Which other shul is he going to go to? The shul that she's in. Look at the unbelievable power of a tefillah said, Bedema with tears with a whole heart. You cry now or you cry later? Fadda. Let's cry now. Baruch <laughs> Adonai